Welcome to the Chi Alpha at UNC Chapel Hill podcast. This podcast is designed to help you grow through our three foundations, devoted disciples, deep friendships, and deliberate servants. We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. Well, we are glad you guys came out tonight. And uh, for those that will later on be catching up with this on the podcast, we want to welcome them as well. If you've not yet found the podcast, we're on Spotify and iTunes, Chi Alpha at UNC. You can also go to our website, xa-unc.com, click on podcast. And not only is tonight's uh, message going to be there, there'll be 49 other uh, teachings that are already up in the podcast as well as you have time to listen to them at your convenience. Well, I want to start tonight with, um, this is the first family group of, of the year. These are only going to happen, by the way, once a month, okay? We're still building our life groups out. We've only had one meeting each of our life groups. So we're building those out over the next few weeks. And then um, we'll be meeting up once a month for a family group where we'll worship together and we'll bring all the different life groups together as we go. I want to start you off tonight with a quote from A.W. Tozer's book, The Knowledge of the Holy. I don't know if you've ever read that book. If you hadn't, I highly recommend that you do. And he says this, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I'm going to take a moment just to read that again, and I want you to just kind of ponder what he's saying there, and we'll break it out. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I find this statement to be very true. Why? Because whether you believe in God when you think about Him, or you don't believe in God, or somewhere in between, maybe you think God set the world in motion and stepped back and He's kind of remote, right? And He doesn't intervene in the affairs of men. Wherever you fall on that spectrum, what you think about God will dictate how you view yourself, the values you hold, the way the decisions you make, the way you navigate relationships, whether that's romantic, family, or friendships. How you view the world as a whole. If you believe there's no God, then it's just up to you. If you believe there is a God that's removed, maybe you still think it's up to you. But if you believe in a God that actually comes and intervenes in our lives, then we have a different standard by which we'd have to follow that as well. But whatever you think about God shapes how you navigate your life, how you live your life. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. We're going to start there tonight. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Now when you read He created man in His own image, that's like mankind, humankind. Okay, We know that because the last part of the verse says male and female, He created them. Everybody good with that? So He's not just referring to male status here, but He's referring to all humans. This is a very ancient story for when Genesis was written, and I would say it's probably hardwired into each and every one of us. And so He created us in His image. What does that mean? Well, it means that God designed humans to bear His image in the world. What does that mean? Well, that means God's character, God's nature, we are to carry with us and exhibit to those around us. So that makes sense to everybody? So we are designed and here to bear His image to those around us. But we run into a problem along the way. Now this is, this is a tremendous responsibility and a tremendous freedom. And every time you see in the Bible, God gives human beings complete freedom. 
You can choose anything you want to choose. But he often couples that freedom with cautions, you know, and consequences so that we know when we're going to get outside of our boundary lines. And so in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, we read, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So there's a caution. God's saying you have complete freedom as my creation, as, as my image bearers. But there's also cautions and boundary lines that you are not to cross over because negative things begin to happen when you get outside of those. We see that in Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. You guys may be very familiar with this. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. So he immediately calls God a liar. God has said this. The woman has obviously repeated this to the serpent. And the serpent said, no, no, no. That's not what God said at all. For God knows, this is the serpent talking, that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. God's kept you in the dark. You're not really aware of what's going on. It's a familiar refrain today in our culture. Religion, God, Bible, that's keeping you. You don't see clearly. You don't understand what we've all evolved to. And he goes on to say, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now to be like God here is not talking about, he's twisting, he's warping the idea of being an image bearer, right? What he's claiming there, he says, if you will rebel against God and go against Him on this one particular thing, what you do then is you claim equal status. I will be like God as if I am another God. Okay? Knowing good and evil. And knowing good and evil in this context is, is more like the idea of deciding for yourself what's right and wrong, what's good and evil, having that ability and that power. Adam and Eve, when they made their choice to disobey God and eat from the tree that they were told not to, they realized their rebellion is an interesting thing that happens in the story, right? They find out what? They suddenly realize they're naked, which seems a bit odd considering they've already been naked together for, we don't know exactly how long, but for a while. And then suddenly, they realize they're naked. It's not really, I don't think about their nakedness physically. It's about the vulnerability that they've suddenly discovered in themselves with each other and with God. They were suddenly vulnerable. So what made them vulnerable? I would put it to you this way. Think about it this way. When Adam and Eve made the decision, and they're both equally guilty in this, when they made a decision to go against God and determine for themselves what, good, what is good and evil, what is right and wrong, right? When they decided to take that for themselves, do you think the two of them just agreed on what that meant? Probably not. So what do you do when you're in a relationship with someone and suddenly you're not sure if the other person sees the things the way you see them, or values the same things that you value. And what if they see right and wrong, good and evil, different than you? I would imagine that in that moment, there starts to be a little suspicion and trust breaking down as they go. As the two of them are now trying to figure out, um, is, is Adam going to, is, is he now going to think the same way I do? And same thing on the other side of the, of the coin. Adam's probably thinking, is, is she going to say this is good and this is evil the way I would? 
Are we going to be different? The interesting thing then is who's right and who's wrong? What kind of relationship would you be in then if you don't know? I would put it this way to you that nothing better explains the current human condition or the history of human beings on the planet than this origination story. That we have set ourselves up to be equal against God to say, I get to determine everything. I get to decide what's right and wrong. But think about also the anxiety that that produces in each and every one of us. We have claimed for ourselves in that moment a title that we cannot fulfill. Remember, you'll be like God. But in that moment, Adam and Eve realized the opposite. I'm imperfect. God is perfect and holy and righteous. And now I realize I'm very much not that thing. Why? Because that title and that weight of determining right and wrong and good and evil was never ours in the first place. It's too heavy for human beings to carry. And it's too perfect for us to walk out well. So what do we do with it? You and I live in a time, in our culture at least, where we are told and taught to determine everything for ourselves. Define everything for yourself. Define yourself. What's your identity? Well, it's what I decided it is. What's right and wrong? It's what I decided it is. And so we're carrying this weight that Adam and Eve felt when they took it for themselves. We're still carrying the same weight today, only it's magnified. And we're having these battles against one another. And here's another thing. What happens when everybody chooses differently? Not just two people in a relationship, but what happens within all of us if we're all determining right and wrong at the same time for ourselves? It's chaos, right? You don't know if the person you're sitting in front of or next to, then you can trust. Because what definition are they going to come up with? So what we do is this. We, we seek out people that are most like us. And those are the people we spend our time with, whether it's on social media platforms or whether it's in person. We gravitate towards then people that are most like us because they're more likely to have the same value system and determine these same things that we would. And that can be a single person or a group of people. And what we do then is we try to democratize the truth. We try to see, can I, how many people can I get to share the same viewpoint that I've got? How many people can I get to share the identity that I have? Or at least some part of it where we wrestle with intersectionality in our culture today, right? As everybody's now scrambling because we're all self-defining. We are like God. We're determining what good and evil is. We're determining what right and wrong is. And all the while being completely detached from our original identity. Having been made in the image of God to bear His image to the world, meaning God's character and God's nature and God's justice and God's compassion and all of that which we were created originally for. And we trade that identity instead for what I'll call lesser identities. We all have different identities, right? We've got personality identities. We've got ethnic identities. We've got racial identities. We've got gender identities. We've got a whole range of them, right? They're all valid, but each one of those is not sufficient enough to define even one of you. It's part of who you are, but it does not explain the whole of who you are, having been made in the image of God. 
So what do we do when everybody gets to determine what's right and wrong? When everybody is like God and everybody gets to say, this is what, I, this is what I'm going to do and this is what I think. Because it is chaos. Because we have to answer the question then, who's in charge? This is a really important question for all of us to answer. Who's in charge? Is it God? Is it us? Because that's exactly what they were arguing about in the garden when they were making their decision and after they made their decision. Suddenly realizing they were naked and vulnerable before each other and before God. We are here because we are image bearers of the King, of the Creator of the universe. And not just to be like Him in some way, but to represent creation to God and God to creation. That is our role and our and our responsibility. It's why we have the name in Chi Alpha. Some of you, you know, it's been a running joke, right? Is it a fraternity? Is it a sorority? Because the name is Chi Alpha and it sounds like it's Greek. Well, it does come from the Greek, but it really comes from the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 5.20, where the Apostle Paul says, we are Christ's ambassadors. And that's where we get the C for Chi and the A for Alpha, Christ's ambassadors. God's representatives on the earth meant to bear His image, to walk in lockstep with God and His nature and His character and what He determines is right and wrong in the world. And what does that mean? It means also God's got things for us to do. He wants us to be His image bearers, but He has many things for us to do also. Ephesians 2 verse 10, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, says this, We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Before we were ever on the planet, before we were ever a fetus in the womb, God was preparing good works for us to walk in. It's crazy to think, because He's outside of time, He knew that you'd be sitting right where you're sitting tonight. It's a hard thing to conceptualize. But created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. That we would be compassionate. That we would stand for truth, but do it alongside of grace. That we would stand for justice. That we would stand for holiness and righteousness in our lives. And that the fruits of the Spirit would flow out of our life, which the Bible describes as patience and patience and kindness and self-control and many other things at the same time. So you're God's image bearers meant to represent creation to God and God to creation and at the same time to walk in the works that He prepared for you before you ever came to be. That is the foundation of why you're here. It's also how we, we shape Chi Alpha. Some of you have heard this before, so I'm going to repeat it. In Chi Alpha, we frame ourselves around three things that make it simpler to, to understand. First of all, we're devoted disciples. We choose to follow God with all our hearts. Secondly, deep friendships. You know, none of us were designed to walk out our faith or to be alone. We were designed to do all of this in relationship with others and with God. Deep friendships. And all of that is meant to flow, not meant just for us, it's meant for others. And so the third thing is in Chi Alpha, we're meant to be deliberate servants. There should be a natural flow. There should be actions that follow, right? What you believe and why you believe it 
And so we serve others intentionally. Why? Because God served us and He modeled that for us and because He first loved us and because we are tasked with being His representatives and image bearers on the planet. today's message. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at www.xa-unc.com.